Hello and welcome to the Parents and NI podcast where we get together each month with some of our staff but most importantly with parents to discuss a topic of interest and this month it's all about dads because we're just coming out of Men's Health Week and also as this is going out it will be Father's Day as well so happy Father's Day to you all and what have we got coming up for you in this month's episode? Well we'll be having a bit of a chat with Cahar Murray who is the coordinator of our dads project so he'll tell you more about that and the recent residential that the dads had, uh, which included chats from Conor McCafferty at Zest, healing the hurt of self-harm and suicide, and Glenn Hines, who's a motivation and coaching consultant. So we'll be having a bit of a chat with them on this episode, as well as talking to some of the dads about what that residential meant to them. So yes, thank you for listening. Um, please do continue if you're listening on Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review on there as that's really helpful with the visibility. And we're also on Spotify now. So if that's where you get your podcasts, you can get us there each month. Um, yep. Thanks again and enjoy this month's episode. We're up in Derry and you've got lovely weather, Cahar. Isn't it? It's, it's held yes. off. It's, it's, uh, it was raining when I was travelling up here now, but it's, it's not too bad. One of the nice things about today is, and you can't plan for this, is the fact that the weather is great. Yeah, and, yeah. And, I mean, and for many of the dads that are attending here today as well, is that it's in, it's in a place where it's very peaceful. And it's very tranquil, and it's in it's at the other side of the Peace Bridge in Derry, London Derry, whichever you want to sort of uh, refer <laughs> Stroke to. Stroke City. Stroke City. <laughs> uh huh. Um, so it gives dads the opportunity to visit the, the 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 city itself, but yet be out of the city, yeah. you know, um, and be in a place where. Um, they can enjoy what's around them as well as what's going on and what's planned for today. Yeah, which is so nice. You know? We're in St Columns Park House in Derry, London, Derry, as Cahar says, and uh, well, I'll give you a wee bit of an introduction, Cahar. Yes. You are the coordinator of our Dads Project, and what we're doing here this weekend is we've got a residential uh, for some of the dads that are involved with the project, and we've got lots of stuff going on for them. Um, it's all about their well-being and uh, actually when people will be listening to this it'll be Father's Day so say happy Father's Day to everybody listening as I well. I think so yes, yes. I think and isn't it important just to acknowledge that? You yeah know I mean? absolutely happy, yeah. Of course happy Father's Day to you listening the, the listeners. Yeah. Really important so yeah. it is. So that's that's really what it's all about Cahar isn't it? Yes. Exploring the positives um, of dads. Uh-huh. And, and, and I guess, I mean, it is, it's very important, I mean, as Emma has said too, that the, the residential that we plant here in, in uh, Derry, London, Derry, Stroke City this weekend is about bringing fathers as dads, but men as dads as well, along um, for a better respite, um, where they're able to uh, press the pause button in what's going on in their lives and for practitioners to come along today and talk to them about their self-care and also to acknowledge the important role that they play as dads and as fathers. Really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, because as a dad, um, myself, I know that many dads don't really stop and think about those things. No. Um, what we do is we just keep going and we keep doing things. And the expectations that are there, well, we, we're there and we try and meet them. So to this weekend is about getting the dads to stop and, and point out all of those real positive traits that they have, all of, the, all of the, the good ways that they actually interact with their children mm-hmm. and also as men looking at themselves and how they can look after themselves a wee bit better because they're good and they're really good at what they do. Yeah, 
And would you say that's something that is changing now, Cather? I mean, you've been working with dads for a long time. We're, we're, are we about a year into the dads project, roughly? Interestingly, that? it's funny <laughs> that because this time last year, and I was speaking with one of the dads who I met this time last year, and it was actually Father's Day last year whenever I met one of my first dads in Derry uh, at an event uh-huh. that was organised in the City Hotel where I took my children along to a Father's Day event in the morning. And I met with another dad there and his three children. <laughs> and yesterday, whenever I was speaking with this particular dad, we acknowledged that it was exactly this time a year ago whenever the project really started to look at what we were looking to do mm-hmm. um, with dads. Um, and as he has said, look, can I, I mean, in a year we've, we've done so much yeah. with, with uh, dads uh, in, in Belfast and Derry and the surrounding areas. Yeah. Um, and whenever you stop and look at it like that, mm-hmm. I mean, it is amazing just how, how, how much that the project has itself grown um, and, and how it's taken off. So Dad's project's been going a year but you've been working with parents and dads for, for longer than that. Uh-huh. So do you, would you say and even as a dad yourself that things are starting to change slightly in terms of how people view well men and, and dads, you know the roles maybe slightly even I think back to whenever I was a child, my dad was the breadwinner, he was out you know earning the money. But now a lot of my friends who are having children and things, the men are far more actively taking part in, in, in children's sort of upbringing. Do you think that the perceptions of men are starting to slowly change? I think the perception of dads are starting mm-hmm. to change. The perceptions mm-hmm. of men, it's still very much the same. So yeah. it is, and I would okay. make a clear, def- a clear distinction mm-hmm. in, in the two. But certainly the role of a dad today is one now that's, that's been acknowledged as, as being something that is very important. And you'd see it on the media, you know, even a lot of adverts or TV, you see dads yeah. uh, that, with their children as well. I mean, you're walking down the street now and there's more and more dads that are dummies in the mouth, pushing the pram, <laughs> holding the wee one under the arms, you know, multitasking as they're going along. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see it, so it is. But certainly, roles have changed. Mm-hmm. I agree there. And yeah, I mean, I think that I've been working now with uh, uh, parenting and I for quite a number of years as a trainer previously uh, and then as a coordinator of the dads project and many of the dads that I worked with in the past it was very difficult to engage them and get them to come along whereas now in 2019 it just seems as if it's it's, it's more acceptable. Men particularly are accepting the fact that it's okay to open up and talk about things yeah. and the dads project it has come a really crucial time in the sense that men are more open to coming along to the product uh, to the project and and to engage in the services that, that it's actually offering now that's fantastic because I mean you do hear an awful lot in the media and and we know we know from statistics that there are an awful lot of men who are really struggling you know in terms of mental health and, and, and suicide and things like that particularly here in Northern Ireland um, so it's fantastic that men and dads, because it's dads that we're working with, are you know more open to maybe reaching out for that that help mm-hmm. and support. And obviously we would be encouraging that if if there are any men listening who would maybe like to come along uh, to any of the dads project activities to to get in touch with us. Yes, I think I think that's really important there, Emma. You know that mm-hmm. um, it's okay to reach out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 actually a sign of strength 
mm-hmm. if you as a dad um, are finding things difficult and you know what I mean there's no there, I mean I've never met a perfect dad I've never met somebody that is perfect at it certainly a lot of dads pretend that they're managing okay but they're not um, and I think that it's actually okay to reach out and get a wee bit of support yeah. and that's what the dad's project is offering now um, and we do that through emotional and uh, social support particularly yeah. but yeah going back to what we were saying earlier too uh, you know I mean the 1950s the 1970s all that era was very much about me as a guy me as a man going out working earning a living coming home supporting the family we were talking about the extended family we were talking about mom and dad together that's all changing now so yeah. the role of dads and men are and it is changing mm-hmm. um, and moving into this new century where we're in 2019 now um, dads now are beginning to feel that it is okay to, to, to take on that role where they become the stay-at-home dad, even, you know, mm-hmm. um, while mum goes out and works. Um, because as long as, what do you call it, they're able to look after the wee ones, then that's perfectly okay. And so society is accepting that more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, at the same time, even if you're staying at home, you might still be struggling with things. And so you should reach out. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. should, you should uh, ask for a bit of support. Funny, one of my, um, she's a friend of mine and she actually appeared on an earlier episode of the podcast. Um, her husband, she's kind of, she owns her own business and her husband stays at home and looks Aye. after their two-year-old. Um, and she was saying in, in that earlier episode that it's funny because that was something, that was a decision they made together as a family, but that she found it uh, very awkward when people used to be like, Oh, wow like he's he's taken that on like that uh-huh. she's like well you know he is her father like that's that's okay for him to, to do that you know so it's funny how it's it's changing and people you see more dads maybe attitudes are changing that, yes attitudes but people yes. still kind of find it like i think i thing. think it's more the middle older generation mm-hmm. that would still have the stereotype whereas a dad is the role where i go out and i work i provide for the family i protect mm-hmm. all of that I mean, dad can still do that Absolutely, by staying yeah. at home mm-hmm. and looking after children. Um, I have someone that's very close to me, and he's a stay-at-home dad as well. And the, the interesting thing is that whenever we're out sociably, and of course whenever you get a lot of men together, they're all saying, so what's work like, what are you doing, you know, all those sorts of questions. Um, and they come round to this guy and they're all so, what are you at now? And he turns around and he, and he would say, I'm a stay-at-home dad. And they're all, really? Yeah. Fabulous, you know. But it's just being able to say that now yeah. and feel confident saying that. Uh-huh. Whereas in the past, dads probably would have shied away from it. Um, so, yeah, look, things are changing. Things are changing. But we need to still keep working at that. So we do. Mum's roles are crucial. Mum's roles are really important. Um, and I wouldn't diminish from that in any way by saying anything. It's really important the role that a mum takes on. Um, but likewise, dad can also provide a very, very important role with the children too, mm-hmm. in a different way. Yeah. Um, and support mum. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the project does with a lot of the dads we're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, working with the fathers and the dads that are on the dads project, it's about acknowledging what's really difficult for them at the moment, but also acknowledging how they can maybe relate better to their ex-partners or their, ex- or their ex-wives mm-hmm. and how they can try and work together for the benefit of the children. Yeah. And that's 
really about what we're trying uh, to achieve, you know, in mm-hmm. those ways. Um, so yeah, yeah, I suppose we should say that as well. I mean, we've talked about the dance project primarily. The focus of the dance project uh-huh. is important, supporting separated fathers, even though we're looking at it in a wider context. In a generic way, yes. And uh-huh. supporting all dads and um, focusing on the importance um of dads as Cahar says we know from research that when when dads are involved there are better outcomes for children just to say to you it's only started um and while while emma and i are both talking about this at the moment there are 19 dads mm-hmm. sitting in a room downstairs interacting with a practitioner who is talking to them um uh, about them themselves their, their 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 well-being how they look after themselves and their mental health yeah. All really, really important things. Um, and up until now, many people would say, you're not going to get a group of dads or men together in a group to talk about these things. Okay. Well, we've done it. Yeah. It's happening right now as we're speaking. So yeah. it is. Well, thanks for having a chat with me, Cahar. And uh, all the best with the, the rest of today. Yes, let's hope it goes good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm delighted to be joined now by Conor McCafferty, um, who works for Zest, um, an organisation up here in Derry. And uh, would you maybe like to tell us a wee bit about what Zest does, Conor? Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for asking me to, to speak about it. Zest, Healing the Hurt is the full title. We started 23 years ago okay. as uh, suicide awareness. It was volunteers for a couple of years. Um, and then there were some social workers come in to work afternoons on the project. And they noticed at that time a lot of the young people leaving care to go into independent living were self-harming. And some of them had gone on to complete suicide. So the focus of the organisation then changed and became uh, Zest, uh, Compassion for Life, was the original name where young people leaving care, we would see them. Those that were self-harming, the focus became self-harm. And we'd see them and help them make that transition with the uh, leaving and aftercare family teams in, in the town. Um, then around the year 2000, we realised not everybody had a passion for life. So we changed. The, the bulk of our work was helping people deal with the hurt that they'd experienced in life. So uh, the bulk of our work became healing the hurt. Mm-hmm. And we got funding from Children in Need for eight years I think it was really really good uh, Tudor Trust and I was funded by the department as a provincial uh, outreach counsellor and then as a result of our work there was the uh, suicide strategy protect life one identified two pilot schemes mm-hmm. one was lifeline the 24-7 helpline the other was shine the self-harm interagency network it was tendered here in the West, we won it, we won the tender, and we piloted it for eight years, the longest pilot ever. <laughs> it was so successful, it just kept going year after year after year. Um, and it was after an episode of self-harm or attempted suicide, they would be referred to us by the uh, adult mental health team, okay. and we would do counselling with them, Sunday. and it was really successful, very, very successful. Mm. So then it was decided in Protect Life 2 that this would be rolled out provincially and it became known as SHIP, the Self-Harm Intervention Programme. Mm-hmm. Keeps changing names, everything <laughs> keeps changing names. So we now, uh, I coordinate that service in the West and the North 
it's the same thing after an episode of self-harm. But now he works from 11 years up. We now work with the CAMS teams. And it's really, yeah. and it's, I mean, it's one of the most frightening things yeah. now, Emma. Yeah. Is young people looking to die. Mm -hmm. You know, very young people. Mm -hmm. Self-harming or looking to die. Losing hope, that sense of hopelessness. I mean, it's the one thing in my t over 20 years doing this work is really frightening now compared to what it used to be. You know. You think there's definitely been a real increase yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the things, that, I mean, it, we, we look at it in terms of increase, but we're encouraging people to come and talk. Yeah. So it's hard to know if there's been a huge increase in the behaviour mm -hmm. or whether the behaviour is always there. People are just more willing to come now and talk. Yeah. When I started out, it was three times more women than men self-harmed. Okay. Currently, it's three times more men than women that uh, complete suicide. Mm -hmm. But self-harm now is almost 50-50. I think there's only 4 or 5% difference between still predominantly female and male. Mm -hmm. I think it's fifty-two, forty-eight, maybe. But yeah. The figures are like, it's kind of but up, yeah. so there's more men coming now for help. Yeah. And it's amazing, you know, it's, to see that it's brilliant. You know, I suppose that's the point of why I'm here today. Yeah. I mean, I do a lot of training. I'm commissioned to do training for statutory and voluntary groups, and maybe a maximum of thirty in the if we would train the participants. There's always 27, 28 women and three men or two men. <laughs> Every time. And you kind of think, is there any men work in these yeah, ages? Yeah. We just avoid emotion. And if you mention emotion, anything involves emotion, not there. Mm -hmm. They actually walk in their room today with over 20 men. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. You know, That's and funny. just to hold them there for the two hours and talk about the simplicity of emotional health. You see, we complicate it. It's that we're born, it's a system, it's a natural it's actually a law of the body. We're born with it. The first thing, you know, when we're born is we cry. The boys and girls alike, there's no, nobody's too embarrassed about it. And I think one of the, my theory is, you know, we cry because we can't speak. We can't talk, so we let people know, I'm in bother here, I'm sick, or I'm in pain, or I'm hungry, or I'm wet, or we let our, the big people know there's a problem. Yeah. But once we start talking, the big people think, well, you shouldn't be crying anymore. Yeah. And they don't realise that crying is also a response to sadness, mm -hmm. it's a response to trauma, it's a, sort of, it can be a, a response to excitement and mm -hmm. success and joy. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it's an emotional response. And we're told, I'll give you something to cry about, mm -hmm. especially the boys. Yeah. You shouldn't be crying, grow up and be a man. Mm -hmm at four and five and six years so we start to think well it's wrong to cry and that's once we think that that's when the problems start mm -hmm. like. and that's something that we were talking about earlier with Cahar in terms of and, and you've mentioned that yourself mm -hmm. you know maybe it's not that things are starting to change hopefully there is a bit of a societal shift now and yeah. how people think about men and men's roles mm -hmm. with, within society and, and that they're allowed to feel emotional that's, yeah. that's absolutely okay um, but maybe it is that more men are okay to, to reach out for support now, and that's something that's fantastic, that's if that brilliant. is the case. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's what the men are starting to realise, that the stereotypes are nonsense. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, watched, I was watching the, the final, the, the European uh, Cup last week's mm -hmm. Liverpool and, and Spurs, yes. and the, the Spurs team were all crying because they lost, yeah. and the Liverpool team were all crying because they won. <laughs> And, and it was brilliant. And yeah. the fans were crying that lost, and the fans that won were crying. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I remember in the 90s, Paul Gascoigne cried during a match because he had got a yellow card, he was missing the next match. 
And the minute he started crying, Gary Lineker pointed to the manager and pointed to the head. He said he's losing his mind. Mm. They went on to put him in an advertisement for potato crisps, crying. Mm. They made a puppet out of him, crying for spitting images. And I mean, you see him now, he's a dead man walking, mm. just riddled with alcoholism. Mm. And this is the thing, you know, they just humiliated him mm. for crying. And that's the way it was, you know, it's changing, but there's still that... So stereotypes are still there. Especially the ones that haven't reached that point yet where they can cry, will mock the ones that do Mm -hmm. and make them out to be, but that's a defence mechanism, you know, Mm -hmm. really there's a jealousy in that, because it's the law of the body, it's not a case that we shouldn't be doing it, it's the way we're made, the thought creates the feeling, creates the behaviour, it comes one, two, three. If I have very sad thoughts, I will feel sad, and the behaviour might be crying, but it'll be a sad behaviour. What happens here is if you listen to young men that die be suicide, happy as Lori, loads of friends, having a ball, just having a great time. Mm-hmm. That's not, when they go home, the false face comes off and the wee sad person comes out. So they flip it. When they're having the thoughts and the sad feeling, they flip it. Mm-hmm. to be um, really happy mm-hmm. and they go out and pretend and behave happy and everybody thinks they're happy yeah. but they're actually flipping what's called reaction formation in psychology terms mm-hmm. where you pretend to be the complete opposite of how you feel yeah and that was something that your i think your talk was entitled today being a, a real, real man, man. Uh, i put that in an inverted commas yeah. um so maybe if you wouldn't mind giving the listeners a bit of a insight into just some takeaways, maybe, from, well, from that talk? Or? Well, probably a, a very uh, succinct one. Is, it's, it's, it's called congruence. This real, to be a real person, it's what I say and do is what I think and feel. That's real. What we do here, a lot of the time, is incongruence is what I say and do is what I think you want me to say and do. I'll be the person you want me to be. But if it's not who we really are, Emma, it causes emotional distress. If we're pretending, we can pretend to a point, and it's usually between the age of 35 and 50, middle adulthood, we kind of get tired pretending. That's when it all starts to break down. And that's, yeah. We're starting to see that now in suicide statistics. Yeah. That level's starting to raise in that, those age groups for men. But it's, it's that thing of what I say and do is what I think and feel, that I allow the thought, the feeling and the behaviour to come and it's really who I am. Now, if the thoughts, if they're very, very sad or whatever, whatever, we have to share them with somebody that will allow us to do that. Mm-hmm. This is why a bestie, a BFF, is just brilliantly. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be counselling. We always yeah. think, oh, you need counselling. You don't need counselling. You need to be able to emote. Emotion means movement out. We need to be able to sit with somebody and say, here's how I really feel. Here's what it feels like for me today. And when we do that, then the feeling emotes, it moves out. What happens here is I shouldn't be feeling. The minute we think I shouldn't be feeling this, then we need to do stuff to take the feeling away. Mm-hmm. And what are we famous for? Drinking and fighting. Mm-hmm. Do you know when this, we are famous for yeah. it as a nation? Mm-hmm. Now, how emotionally healthy is that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it can be sex, it can be gambling, it can be drink, it can be drugs, it can be work. Yeah. I mean, work's not addictive, but it can be. Yeah. Shopping's not addictive, but it can be. <laughs> Eating's not addictive, but it can. Chocolate's not addictive. Yeah. If we want to feel different, yeah. 
mm-hmm. because we don't like the way we feel. Unfortunately, the law of the body, we have to feel what we feel. Yeah. And we have to look at it, well, are the thoughts faulty that are causing this feeling? I mean, if I think I'm stupid or useless and feel ashamed of myself, where did that thought come from? Is it true? 99 times 100, it's not true. Mm-hmm. We believe a lie. I mean, mm-hmm. therefore, the feelings are lie and the behaviours that lie. So we have to go back to, I mean, I'm t- over 20 years in self-harm. I've never been able to stop anybody self-harming in all that time, if that's what I tried to do. And I did, to my shame, that's what I tried to do at the start, mm-hmm. because that was the instructions, get them to stop. And it was just through listening that I realised and learning and supervision and all the things in the early years, that if I could help a person change the way they think and feel, their behaviour changed. Mm-hmm. But what happens now, somebody comes out of hospital, look what you're doing, look what you're doing to your mammy, look what you're doing to your family, look what you're doing, look what you're doing. Nobody's saying, what are you doing to yourself? Yeah. It's called self-harm, because you mm-hmm. do it to yourself. Nobody's saying, come here to me. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, come here to me, what can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. Everybody gets angry because they love the person and yeah. they're frightened. And rather than saying, if anything happened to you, it would break my heart, we get angry, we ignore the feelings and we just let it turn to anger. Mm-hmm. And start barging, and the person closes down and says, "Well, I'll never do that again." Uh, yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's that. No, I don't know what come over me, and then they close it. But then the next it'll come round again, because they weren't allowed to do. They weren't given the space. Yeah. They say, "Come here to me. Tell me what's wrong. What can I do to help? Who do we need to see?" That's the response. Compassion is the answer to this. People say to me, "How do you do it? And how smart? And what exams do you?" It's compassion and kindness mm-hmm. opens that door that allows the person to tell. It allows the person to say, here's what it's really like to be me, that nobody knows. Here's the person that sits in the room on their own at night, hurting and thinking and negative. Do you know? Yeah. And then they say, right, what do we need to do? Yeah. yeah. So it's nice to kind of have, I suppose, spaces like this That's weekend. Where, oh, and, this is brilliant. And particularly for men to come together and be able to, as you say, just talk. talk. And it was amazing you know, towards the end. What's we were, you know, I was only supposed to, I thought it was an hour and a half, likely two hours, <laughs> near two and a half hours. But they're all starting to ask questions then, and they're all starting to communicate with each other. And that's amazing. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. If I could take, uh, there's a phrase in everybody, what do what will people think if I could take that phrase out of everybody saying, my goodness, my goodness, mm-hmm. that we have to behave to make other people happy? No, 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 no. Yeah, this is about right being, for and it's for men especially, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. We have to stop blaming and pointing and going on and minimising and victimising. We have to take responsibility for our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviour. You know, in, in a healthy way, mm-hmm. for our physical health and our mental health. Um, thanks very much for talking to yeah, us today, It's been Colin. a pleasure. Thank Any you, I appreciate it. I think you can actually nearly maybe hear me trying to contain my excitement at Connor mentioning Liverpool winning the Champions League. Yeah, come on the Reds six times. Um, no, but seriously, a uh, great conversation uh, to have there with Connor. Uh, speaking as someone who's always been really interested in um, how society constructs our sort of gender stereotypes or what's seen as kind of gender normal. Um, and that's coming from me, who is not a typical kind of girl, I guess, in terms of how people perceive what it is to be uh, feminine. So, I mean, I like football. I don't really like going and get my nails done or 
going shopping for clothes or shoes and uh, I don't wear pink um, apart from at one of my best friend's wedding um, and it was lovely to be fair but you know what I mean um, I'm not a typically girly girl um, but does that make me any less of a woman? Well, no, it doesn't. Just as it wouldn't make a man any less of a man for not liking football or for wearing pink. Um, those kind of things. And at the end of the day, when you take all those kind of ridiculous stereotypes out of the equation, we're all human. And um, of course, we all feel emotion. That's a totally normal part of human experience. So yeah, I mean, really interesting conversation with Connor there. Um, and I think it's particularly important as, as we come out of Men's Health Week here that, you know, we do challenge those stereotypes of men um, so that they do feel more confident and more comfortable about coming forward when they are struggling. to be joined by Glenn Hines here today who is also talking to our dads. Um, do you want to tell us a wee bit about what you do first of all Glenn? Well primarily what I do is I do a lot of training and coaching with individuals and organisations primarily in the health and social care field and education, criminal justice, working with organisations around well-being of staff and uh, seeing the organisation as the entity of the organisation as an individual and looking after the well-being of the organisation okay. as well. Fantastic. Um, and so one of the things that you're really going to be talking to dads here today about is kind of where they're at mm. and, and on their journey. Sure. Um, and motivational interviewing is another thing that that you are a practitioner in. Yes, yes. Um, so maybe tell us a wee bit about that and how maybe we can use the principles of that just okay. in, in life and sure, in general. Sure. So motivational interviewing for most people would be seen as a, what's called a counselling style but under, underneath it, uh, it would be informed by what's called person-centred helping, uh, the work of Carol Rogers. And some of the key principles of that would be that when someone is trying to help, be helpful to someone else, that if they can approach it from a position where they're trying to understand the other person, the, the, the individual that they're talking to, trying to understand the world from their perspective. Very often what happens is when people start to talk about their problems, people like us try to make them better, mm -hmm. try to solve them, because we can see it from a different perspective. And it's recognising that the perspective that we most often see it, I suppose one of the ways to consider it is, is it's a bit like Google Maps. Mm -hmm. For most people, we look at the world and we can see it from a satellite view. I can see your world from a satellite view and I can just give you some directions. Just turn right, turn left, turn right, turn left, and you'll be where you're going. Whereas what motivation interviewing does in person-centred help and recognises, yes, we can see the global map, but to be helpful, I must go down to street view. And I need to walk this journey with you because what isn't available in the global map, global uh, overview is the, the restrictions and the difficulties of, of real life. So by walking along, I can see that uh, maybe there's a roadblock that isn't on the map and I have to help you navigate that. Um, and it's it starts with, what if, what if no one was to blame? for the situation. What if no one was at fault? What would we see? And more often than not, what we helpers endeavor to do is we, because we want to be helpful, we seem to be drawn to where the problems are. So we become what's called problem focused. Mm -hmm. uh, and what the research shows is if I'm focusing all on your problems and my conversation with you is all about your problems, mm -hmm. then all you hear yourself talk about is your problems. Yeah. 
And then there's what's called self-perception psychology, which is I, I have an understanding of myself by the way I talk about myself, both to other people, but also very important to myself. So if I'm hearing myself talk about the problems in my life, I'm reinforcing the problematic aspects of myself. Mm-hmm. Whereas what motivation to be in person-centered help and endeavors to do is work on what's called affirmations, mm-hmm. which is looking at it from a strength-based perspective, which is this individual has got this far without my help. How did they do that? And work on the resources that the individual has that has got them this far in their life to begin to help them overcome any difficulties they have now so they can continue with their life. Mm-hmm. So it's, just, it's, it's based on a, a recognition that whatever else is happening in somebody else's life, there is evidence of success yeah. because they've got this far. Yeah. And uh, very often when I'm working with helping practitioners, I help them, I help, I invite them to look at, you know, think of some people they work with, with inverted commas, that, whose life's in chaos or whose life's up in, in Belfast terms, up the left. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just ask them, how did, they, how did they survive this long? And very important, how did they survive this long without your help? And the answer is always the client. Mm-hmm. And it's about being able to see what it is about this client that has enabled them to do that and then to focus on that and to recognise that and to help the client begin to see that in themselves so they can begin to believe in themselves. Yeah. So the way to help someone believe in themselves is for me to believe in them. Mm-hmm. And it has, to be, it has to be a felt experience. I have to actually believe in you mm-hmm. for you to begin to believe in yourself. I can't tell you to believe in yourself. I have to show you my belief in you. So um, that would be some of the key components of a, of a practitioner who's endeavouring to work from a person-centred or, or a motivational interviewing perspective. Fantastic. That sounds like something that would be really empowering for the, the dads here today to kind of recognise some of those um, those techniques and, you know, um, something that we've kind of been talking about actually across this episode today is that kind of self-perception, mm. particularly for men sure. who, you know, have maybe been told all their lives that it's not okay to show emotion sure. and it's it's maybe quite difficult for them to, to reach mm. out for that support mm. in, in the first place mm. would you have any sort of tips of, or advice in, in that sort of respect yeah absolutely and and i imagine that there's potentially some men in the group that would be be described as empathic or mm-hmm. empathetic mm-hmm. which means that they, they have a sensitivity to the emotional energies around them as well mm-hmm. And again, that's not necessarily something that we men are encouraged to acknowledge, that we become, there's actually something wrong with us if we are, in commas, too sensitive. Mm-hmm. We can't take the rough and tumble. But it's also recognising that there are some men, like me, who is an empath. And as a consequence of that, I do tune into different frequencies of, of, of conversations that makes me slightly different from other men. And that... If I if if I'm not told that that's okay, then as as was the case when I was growing up, there was some I had, there was a sense there was something wrong with me because I wasn't like all the other people or yeah. more particularly all like all other men. The truth is, as I'm not, I have the capacity to be more sensitive, particularly to emotional energies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that which is the frequency that help is asked for and help is received. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about helping men not just men, but people to recognise how, how you experience this. And whatever way you're experiencing this, is that's the way you do it. And it's how can you be at peace with the who you are, mm-hmm. even though not everyone else is doing it like that. But there are other people like you, or similar to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about, uh, it's interesting that we're here in St. Thomas Park House, a few years ago I used to study philosophy, and the class was here. And one of the things that 
Uh, Socrates teaches is the idea of keeping good company. Mm-hmm. Now, by good company, he meant anything that lifted your heart, anything that made you feel good. So music that lifts your heart is good company. Mm-hmm. The environment, walking in a, in a park, and that makes you feel good, that's good company. People that make you feel good, books that make you feel good, food that makes you feel good about who you are, that's all good company. And the idea is keep good company. Mm-hmm. Whatever makes you feel good about yourself is the stuff that you need to stay, spend more time around. And anything that you find that distracts from that is potentially not so good company and it's about how to support yourself, spend less time in not so good or bad company mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and about finding that balance for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's some really good advice. That's mm. a nice positive actually to, mm. to maybe finish our conversation on. Thanks very much, Glenn, for taking some time to chat to me. Yeah, well, afternoon. I'm delighted to have had a chance to talk to you. Thanks okay. very much. Thank you. Cheers. So Paul is the key worker on the Dads Project yeah. and um, Morris and Oliver, two dads, attending here this weekend. So thanks for taking the time to come and chat to me out of your weekend. Okay. So maybe tell me a wee bit about um, what, what you're hoping to get from this weekend or how it feels being here with a group of other dads. Uh, it feels good. I mean, it's um, an extension in a way of the support groups, which uh, we attend on and off. But it's really just um, linking out linking in with other dads, reaching out to them as well, uh, contributing and listening, uh, sharing experiences. Um, but it's also about downtime. There's a social element to it. It's where you can sort of take yourself away from your everyday life just for 24 hours and just really be yourself. Because it's an opportunity which I would guess a lot of us just don't get all that often. Yeah. I agree with that for definite, but I also like the mental health side of it because it helps you kind of realise you're not the only one in this position. Yeah. There's a lot of followers, even in worse positions than yourself that you never even thought of. Yeah, yeah, it's, that kind of peer support type thing. Does, where you think, it yeah. really, really helps. Yeah. It's, it's reaching out just and if you do reach out, it does help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's for definite. Yeah. That's something that um, we were talking about earlier in, in uh, the recording here about how perceptions are kind of starting to change with men and dads um, and that it's it's okay like you know a lot of times maybe men feel like they can't express their emotions funny. would you agree with that funny like, me and morris were sitting talking about that at yeah. lunchtime yeah about this time three four years ago it was a really bad stage yeah but reaching out at that time i didn't originally go to a dad's project apparently and i went to men's action network because uh-huh. it was the only position i knew at that time in Derry. yeah but that helped me to open up and get past that and realise that's what I was saying anymore. So there's no stigmata with it anymore. People are kinda more willing and open and honesty. Yeah. Talk mm-hmm. far easier. That's brilliant. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, very much so. I mean there's never been a greater emphasis on mental health these days anyway. Uh, even more emphasis than there was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's also becoming much less taboo. There's still a, you know, some way to go mm-hmm. with that and some people are just born to able to talk about their feelings easier than others but in, in my own experience when you talk about how you feel everything starts to slot into place after that things become easier you mightn't choose to tell everyone that's fair enough but one or two really trusted people close to you uh to, to coin the old phrase a problem sure is a problem i have mm-hmm. very much so yeah yeah and well at the start I went there constantly because I just couldn't have walked to anybody. 
but my can find out what they're doing about it. Yeah. So uh, definitely, it's, a, it's the first step. And Paul, maybe you could give us some insight into the, the work that goes on within the Dads yeah. Project. So um, Morris and Oliver are saying there about going along to the support groups and things like mm-hmm. that. And maybe if a dad is kind of, because that can be quite daunting, I think. I mean, for anybody <clears throat> to go initially mm-hmm. and kind of talk about their own their own experiences and what they're going through. Yeah. Um, without a doubt, it is probably daunting. Uh, I suppose what I would say to them is, don't worry. Um, every dad there understands exactly what you're going through. They've probably been through many of the same things that you're going through. Um, they've shared a lot of the same experiences. Um, so don't put yourself under any extra pressure. Um, you know, feel safe there. Um, and you know, if you don't want to talk, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Some of the dads are, you know, as, as all for and more safe. They'll understand. You know, that time will come whenever you are able to, to share your experiences and you have built that trust. Um, but you know you can still avail of, of sharing other people's experiences so you can yeah. um, probably the biggest thing that uh, we would hear um, whenever people do attend a support group or one of the first things that we would hear um, I thought I was the only one um, you know there's a real sense of isolation um, with uh, with dads and with dads that are maybe struggling um, or you know dads that have been separated um, so that there in itself is uh, hugely reassuring um, whenever you walk in a room and you see like if I'm not the only one, you know, yeah. there's there's other people going through this. Yeah, it's a real weight off your shoulders Absolutely. type thing. Yeah, yeah. And what about yourselves, Oliver and Morris? Would you have any maybe advice or tips that you would give just if someone's maybe thinking, say somebody's listening to this and thinking I am struggling a wee bit? Just get involved. Yeah. Come along. It's non judgmental and it's opened to absolutely everyone. Um don't delay or think about it. Just come along. You'll be welcome warmly. Um, and yeah, you you'll get benefit from it. I guarantee. It. Yeah, I would second that for definitely. It's it's the initial taking that first step, and even now at the moment, I'm talking to a few followers. That I'm saying, come along with me, uh-huh. because I I think it is that first step. I actually go now because it's more like social kind of now, because you can actually chat and know each start to get to know some of the followers mm-hmm. that I'm going because they are. It's it's becoming more and more people is actually returning all the time mm-hmm. and that's that's not like what it used to be with them that's yeah. you came once and disappeared that's, <laughs> that's, that's changed the social element of this is starting to pick up now more and more um this is the second or third event that we've held and um certainly looking forward to you know what any future ones will be yeah. um so yeah that's what i take away um yeah. i mean it, it can only time away to sort of think about yourself and um just chat informally and associate others can only be a good thing. It's yeah. rather this, you know, than sitting in the house on your own at a weekend, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, so I was going to say too, what parent and I have taught me, it's self-care. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're able to look after yourself, you're able to look after others, even your own children better too. So No, absolutely. And Paul, maybe um, if anyone's thinking that they would like to come along or find out more about the Dads Project. Um, yeah, um, you can check out the Parenting and I website. Yeah. Um, so you can, all of the information uh, is on there. Uh, the phone number is there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, some people are, are better talking. And uh, there's a, an email address uh, as well. Um, what I would say is just don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, every dad has been through difficult situations and some are still going through difficult situations. So just, you know, a phone call can't, can't hurt, you know, and uh, especially with a licensed support group, you know, there's no commitment, yeah. you know, you're, you're not going to be under any pressure, um, and as, as Morris has already said, you're going to be welcomed, mm-hmm. so we are, so um, just reach out because we're there. Yeah, 
And the support groups run once a Monthly. month. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's one in Belfast and then there's one in Derry. So uh, depending on where you live, it would be it might be better suited to attend yeah. one than the other. Yeah, absolutely. Well, enjoy the rest of your weekend, guys. Thank you. uh, thank you for thank music you and all <laughs> later on. So that'll be great crack. Enjoy it. And thank you for taking time out to talk to me. No Appreciate it. So there we go, folks. That's us for another month. Um, thank you very much for listening. And a special thanks to Oliver and Morris there for sharing uh, their views. And also to Connor and Glenn and Cahar and Paul for getting involved in this month's episode two. So obviously we've talked a lot about um, dads and men in this episode. And if there's anything that's come up that you're thinking, yeah, actually, I do need a bit of help and a bit of support in um, my parenting role as a dad, um, then please do get in touch with us. You can check out our website, as Paul said. It's www.parentingni.org forward slash dads project. Um, we do have a free phone number as well, um, which you can call to maybe get a little bit more information. It's 0808 um, And just to say as well, our social media channels, particularly this week, um, because it has been Men's Health Week, has been focused on um, tips uh, for men around mental health and also um, some just nice little positives around the um, important role that dads play in their children's lives. So you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, we're just Parent and NI or at Parent and NI on all those platforms. Um, and yeah, once again, happy Father's Day. Enjoy your day um, and whatever you're up to. Um, just take time for you and celebrate you as a dad and, and enjoy it. Um, and we'll see you again next month. Uh, next month we're talking about holiday boredom so actually we'd quite like to get you involved with this one and um, we're going to be talking about as the children get off for school things to maybe combat um, children telling you that they're bored continuously over the summer holidays so we want to try and get as many ideas as possible of different things uh, that you can do with the kids and uh, we're going to look at uh, play as well so we've got our friends from playboard talking on that too so yeah if you want to get involved drop us comments on our socials as i said and uh yeah we'll look forward to chatting to you next month all the best and take care of yourselves bye